0: This podcast is brought to you by AJ Bell and Shares Magazine. Shares Magazine is published by AJ Bell Media, part of AJ Bell. Hi, welcome back to Money & Markets. I'm Laura from AJ Bell and with me is Dan from Shares. Hello. So this week we're going to talk about how some 18-year-olds are about to come into some money the initial impact of government support to help the hospitality sector and the surge in the UK property market. We're also going to reveal what's on the minds of fund managers around the world and what we can learn from the latest credit card figures. So, lots to cover, but first up, let's chat to Dan about what's been happening in the markets over the past week. Dan, what are the big headlines?
1: Well, if you are invested in US stocks, I imagine that you're feeling quite good because the S&P 500 and the Nasdaq both hit new record highs. Unfortunately, the UK market is still sort of lagging this recovery, um, so which is you know, perhaps frustrating for people with diversified portfolios hoping for everything in their um, their investments to go up. But no, I mean it. It, it's, so it continues to be the story of U.S. stocks um, shooting up, and and it's the tech sector really which is continuing to drive this rally. It's now quite a crowded trade. Lots of people in there, so um, I, I am seeing increasing murmurings amongst the investment community, particularly amongst analysts and fund managers, about whether um, it perhaps is time to take some money off the table with on, with with regards to tech. You know, you've had such a good run. Perhaps it's time to to lock in and protect those gains.
0: It seems strange that the markets in the U.S. are doing so much better when you would think that there would be much more linked to coronavirus. And obviously that is not so much under control in the US. So are the markets kind of ignoring that whole COVID-19 issue?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, the recovery is partly down to sort of the Federal Reserve um, providing some stimulus to the markets. Um, you've also got investors who, who seem quite confident that the, the economy is going to get better. Um, and also this you know, there aren't really that many other better opportunities to make money and and sort of fairly decent returns than on the stock market at the moment. So, um, you know, you've got those drivers. But yes, you know, against the backdrop of, um, you know, economic problems, um, continuing lockdowns. You know, you can see lots of um, concerns about how coronavirus um, sort of numbers are picking up again in certain parts of the world. Um, so really, it, it's it's quite interesting. Uh, the market is definitely forward-looking and it seems to be looking past all this sort of doom and gloom. But um, I guess you know, if you're going into twenty twenty-one, you know the, the mind investors is very much on what will happen next year. Um, it, it'd be interesting to see how the, how, how the new year starts and whether if they, if they don't get sort of evidence that things are going to be bright and cheery next year, I wonder whether we'll get a bit of a, of a wobble. With, with, quite often see it in, in january time
0: and so then back on home soil we've had some big announcements from companies this week um we talked a couple of weeks ago about unemployment figures rising and marks and spencers was the latest company this week wasn't it to come out and announce massive job losses
1: yeah i mean it's so frustrating isn't it i feel i do feel really sorry for um you know people who are affected by all these job cuts because it seems to be every day there's another big company sort of saying unfortunately we have to sort of cut back on our staff numbers it is it is you know a really troubling time and, and um you know mark Suspense is to be going through some sort of transformation for years um you know you you wonder if it wasn't actually the coronavirus was happening that actually it might still be still needing to be cutting jobs anyway because um it, it's having a it's having a tough time so clothing sales have been pretty much disastrous um but it's got this food business that just holds up. So um you know diversification uh, we talk about a lot in on this podcast you know from from a business perspective and Spencers has got interests in different parts of the market and that's helping it it's keeping it afloat. So um so really you know the shares went up on this news. Well, firstly it, it's it's a strange way how the stock market works. Um investors like job cuts because it's effectively the company will be spending less money. Um and also, you know, Marks and Spencer's report actually had you know, better news in sales and cash than actually was, was feared in, a, in the most recent trading update. So a lot of people are really hopeful for eventual recovery in this business. Um, but you know, the shares are still trading at a fraction of its price five years or so ago.
0: And you expect to see more companies announce these job lists. So if we look at the estimates of what unemployment is going to be by the end of the year, there's going to be lots more announcements like this. But it feels like there's kind of a new announcement every day of some sort of job losses from some companies
1: isn't it there is and, and it unfortunately does seem as if we're going to get much more of these things i imagine if, if you know more companies are now going back to work in their office and I, I think the management will take a take this as an opportunity to to look again at the cost base, um you know and also if earnings aren't recovering as fast as perhaps companies are hoped they're going to have to make some you know, some tough decisions so yeah you know, it, it, you, know you, you do need to sort of brace yourself and again we've talked on the on the podcast before about having the importance of having some cash backup in your savings that you know should anything terrible happen in your life that you you've got something to fall back on so um you know saying if you've been saving a bit of money recently by not having to travel to work and, uh, and it's just sitting in your bank account i would i would quietly just put that to one side don't think about how you might want to spend it you, you know, i think it's going to be difficult times up uh, in the coming months
0: so that's all a bit depressing. Is there any positive news out there in the market?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've got, you know, some of the other companies um, that have been reporting in the last week have included the minor BHP. You know, uh, yes, it, it disappointed on its dividend, but the fact is it's still paying investors this cash reward. Um, and uh, I think this sort of points to what's happening in the world of um, people looking for, for income. That, you know, since the 1st of July, we've actually had. Among companies who had previously deferred dividends, those companies have now come out and declared more than £2 billion worth of payments. So again, we touched on this a couple of episodes ago, where, where um, management in various companies seem to be finding it a bit more a bit more sort of confident about their prospects. Um, so you've seen in recent weeks, Direct Line, the House Builder Persimmon, BA BAE Systems, and Mondi, the packaging company, they're among the companies who are who held off paying dividends but now feeling a bit more confident. So so while we do talk about um, brace yourself for potentially more job cuts, there are some businesses which are feeling more confident and, and so it's it, it, unfortunately it's not a level playing field here. Um, corporates are going through lots of different things at the moment and um, it's kind of difficult to sort of say exactly this is what's going to happen to economies, this is what's going to happen to businesses because they're all going through different things but I I think that's uh, the the resumption of dividends to me is the one of the key positive stories amongst investments at the moment.
0: And a big relief for income investors who had been seeing a pretty bleak outlook earlier this year.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, it's, so the other thing that sort of caught my eye in the news as just as we're recording this was um, obviously we've got inflation figures out. So, so, Laura, this is I know you look at this area quite a lot. So, you know, t- tell our listeners what's happening in, with inflation.
0: Yeah. So um, inflation had been falling during lockdown as fewer people were going out and spending money. Um, But there's been a shock increase in inflation in July. So inflation is obviously backwards looking and looks at the amount that prices have risen by in a kind of example basket of goods during that month. Um, In June, it was 0.6%, but it's risen to 1% in July, which is actually the opposite direction to where lots of people thought it was going, including the Bank of England. So the Bank of England's forecast is that it would fall to a quarter of a percent Um, by the end of the year so kind of throughout the second half of the year actually it's jumped to one percent and there's kind of lots of different reasons for this Um, there's no one clear reason some of it is lockdowns eased and so people are going out and spending more Um, and some places are charging more for those services so hairdressers is one example where the cost of haircuts has risen partly because of the PPE, obviously, um, required by hairdressers, but also because of social distancing, they've had to space out customers. And so they're charging more. And also there's just sheer demand for haircuts and people are willing to pay a bit more so they can put up their prices. Um, The same similar kind of story for um, dental and physiotherapy services. So people that had been putting off getting that treatment during lockdown when all of these services were closed. Are now going out and spending money there, and prices have risen a bit there. Um, and then the oil price is a big factor as well. So the cost of petrol and diesel at the pump has risen because, as you'll remember earlier this year, it, um, the oil price fell, and so too did prices at the pump. Um, now we're seeing kind of some of that come out and prices rise a little bit, which is pushing prices up. Um, so it's not great news for
1: individuals. I think, because I think. A couple of months ago there was uh, there were some people saying you know, you know no one's no one's really talking about it but you should really get ready for a bit of inflation and everyone's going no that's ridiculous it's not going to happen when we're in sort of economic turmoil but yeah i mean so th- this this is quite an interesting result that we're, we're seeing now um, but particularly with the oil price i mean that that's has strengthened recently but i think it's sort of it's 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 not sort of tearing away at the moment so i wonder the next round of inflation figures might Um, not be as severe as perhaps what we've just seen uh, with this latest one
0: it's just frustrating for individuals when we're at a time where for example interest rates have fallen so savers aren't getting much return on their money Um, people are losing their jobs like we talked about wages are either expected to stay the same or even fall this year in that kind of backdrop the last thing you want is inflation so prices rising if your income's not going up You don't want the cost of things you're buying to also go up. Um, But obviously, I feel like we have to put this caveat on everything at the moment. It all depends, the direction of inflation all entirely depends on um, what's going to happen with the coronavirus when we get a vaccine, whether there's a second wave. um, Also, how the kind of Brexit trade talks pan out. So there's a lot of uncertainty out there. So it's almost impossible at the moment to to predict which way things are going to go.
1: So what about uh, public transport? I think you know if people are sort of now progressively going back to work in offices is is a I presume inflation uh, would generally bring bad news on them the cost of your train ticket
0: yeah, and so the July figure for inflation is what determines um season ticket price rises and some other train ticket price rises for the following year um so it's a bit of a weird system, partly that it uses the rpi or retail prices index measure of inflation which is widely discounted and discredited but it's still used for train fares Um, and that always sits a little bit higher than the normal measure of inflation Um, so that july figure is then what's used in january as the price hike for train tickets and so that figure um this year has also risen uh, along with the normal rate of inflation. And so that's 1.6%. So what that boils down to mean is that next year, your season ticket is going to cost 1.6% more than it did this year. So that's a lower increase than it was um, last year. Uh, So what we saw in January this year was a 2.8% rise. Um, But obviously that's still pretty unwelcome with that backdrop that we talked about of kind of stagnating wages, unemployment. Um, Yeah. So it's not
1: great for commuters. So child trust funds are back in the news as the first batch are about to mature. So Laura, are we going to see an army of 18-year-olds suddenly loaded with cash?
0: I think so, yeah. (laughs) The pubs are going to be full of these 18-year-olds that have got this sudden windfall they didn't know about. Yeah, so the government launched child trust funds for children born um, 18 years ago, So, and they were locked up for 18 years. So basically the first... People to turn 18 this September um, will be able to get their hands on this pot of money. How much they'll be able to get depends on lots of different things. Partly it depends on how much the government put in in the first place, which was determined by your family income level at the time. Um, It will also depend on whether your parents or grandparents added to that money over time or whether they didn't make any further contributions. And then obviously it also depends what that money's been doing in that time. So whether it's just been sitting in cash, maybe earning not very much, or whether it's been invested, and then if it has been invested, what it's been invested in. So quite a wide range of, of how much people could have. Broadly speaking, most people got two lots of £250 from the government that would then have been earning interest um, for 18 years. And then if their parents had added to it, obviously that will boost the pot. If they'd invested it, that will boost the pot. So it's not clear. You can't say every 18-year-old is going to get X amount of money. Um, But I think quite a lot of them will be quite pleased. It's bonus money, isn't it? So
1: Yeah, I mean, I'd I'd be quite interested because the the stuff I've sort of read is that a lot of parents just stuck into a cash account. So you're probably looking at absolutely minimal returns. But I'd be quite interested to see... um, know if there's any sort of parents who thought well i might as well take a lot of risk with this money because there's plenty of time to ride the ups and downs with the stock market Uh, and i wonder what you know what's the sort of the top figure that we could potentially see for someone you know turning 500 quid um potentially you know some some contributions on top of that into you know thousands of pounds would be quite interesting
0: that would be great, wouldn't it? I hope that stories emerge of that, of these 18-year-olds not realising that they've got this pot of money. One of the big issues with the Child Trust Fund is that um, if parents didn't claim it on your behalf, then the government just opened an account for you anyway to to put the voucher in. Um, So lots of people don't even realise that they've got these accounts. So I'm hoping that with the kind of fanfare around the fact that the first um, 18-year-olds are going to be able to access them, it might prompt a lot of people, whether they're 18 or whether they're a, a bit behind that, um, to actually think, oh, wait a minute, well, I must have one of these accounts and, and to find out how they can access it. So you can go to, there's a government website where you can go and you can find out who your provider would have been and kind of track down these lost accounts, like a treasure hunt.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, I think, you know, even if it's been in cash and you've got, you know, just £500 or so, this, that's a, it's a great, starting point to put that into investing for, for you know later in your life um a lot of people say that they, they want to put money into um stocks and funds and bonds but um you know don't don't have that as sort of initial lump sum to put in but this is this is the perfect thing so you know i i, I do hope that it doesn't just get blown on um you know around of drinks for your 10 mates in the pub uh i hope it is put to put to good use and i guess it's 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 a it's a perhaps a chance for um you know us and other people to sort of raise awareness and uh, the importance of saving for the long term and you know this is a great opportunity for people
0: what would you have done uh, when you if you turned 18 and you got a pot of say 700 quid would you have splurged it down the pub or would you have been very responsible
1: oh, i don't know i think i would have i mean that's quite uh, it's, it's it's a decent amount of money i think it's if it if it was a hundred quid i could say you probably spent it with you know with your friends but 700 pounds can make you know, it just seems like oh this is you know you're almost a thousand aren't you so, to me i think okay can i can i put some more away and then perhaps uh, i would have, i probably would have kept it long term but you know i i some of my friends might have said, well, I can go on a uh, you know, really great holiday without my parents um, and then stuff like that. So it, it's hard. It's hard to say. And I guess when you're that young, um, it is very tempting to you think, well, I'm going to treat myself. And also now that I'm 18, I can I don't have my parents sort of having to uh, be, in, be in control of everything that I'm doing. So what would you what would you have done, Laura?
0: I don't know, that's tough. I was fairly responsible with money, but as we all know, the lure of a holiday for me probably would have been too much. <laughs> I would have it, wouldn't I? But it is yeah. interesting. It'd be the first time that a lot of 18-year-olds would have got a decent chunk of money like that and will kind of be tested in terms of how they react to that and how, I guess, how responsible they are with that money. Yeah. So we've not officially welcomed you back from holiday, Dan, so welcome back.
1: Thank you very much.
0: And did you did you go out for a meal on your holiday? And did you get the fifty percent discount from the Eat Out to Help Out scheme?
1: I did. I, I went out for. I did go out for quite a few meals um, with with my family, and and two of them were specifically to take advantage of this offer. So I went. I went to a sort of the local pub, and it was. I went to book a table. You had to book a table in advance, and it was all fully booked for the first few days. Um, but I, So I went a week later and, and we were the only people in there. So I don't know whether there was a sort of initial um, buzz about it. I mean, they, I know the, so, so the government's saying that 35 million meals have been served under this scheme in the first couple of weeks. So, yeah, clearly there's loads of people going. But, um, you know, from my from my two experiences, the second time we went to an independent pizza restaurant and it was... Uh, they said they were fully booked, but of course they have to leave so much... You know, every other table's got to be empty and, and it's a small place in the to begin with so there weren't that many people in there but um uh, it, it, i mean it, clearly it's good it, it's obviously it's, it's helping those uh, establishments to you know get some get the tills ringing it's keeping some people in work which is obviously very good um but i, I what happens at the end of august so, you know when this scheme ends are we going to have some problems i mean Laura have you have you been out anywhere to take advantage of it
0: yeah i've used it a couple of times um And it has been good. Obviously, it dramatically cuts the the cost of your meal out. I have very mixed feelings about it. I can definitely see how it's helping the hospitality industry and and making them busier on nights when they wouldn't normally be busy. Um, I have some slight reticence around why... Because ultimately, the taxpayer is going to foot the bill for this scheme. So why should the taxpayer be paying for my pizza out on a Tuesday night um, when they probably don't need to be i don't know and i've also seen some reports from kind of anecdotal stuff from restaurants saying that their weekends are actually much quieter now because if you're going to go out to eat uh then why wouldn't you just go out monday to wednesday and have a much cheaper meal so some places are reporting that actually the weekends are quieter than they were which would be interesting if it is true i mean there's no actual kind of stats to back that up yet but um it would be interesting if it's kind of taking away weekend trade and, and just shifting it to, to a different day of the week.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've seen it. there's a few places near me I've seen where it's, they're offering 10% off on Thursdays and Fridays um, to try and keep this sort of momentum going. Um, and I've seen you know, lots of people saying, oh, you know, should this be extended into September or you know, should it be extended to the end of the year? Um, that'd be quite interesting. But there's a company on the stock market called Tasty, Um, which is like an Italian restaurant chain, they gave sort of a a strangely worded um, sort of semi-warning in their latest announcement saying um, some of their restaurants might need to close again if it doesn't reach the expected trading levels. And I'm wondering, are they kind of referring to this sort of government scheme being withdrawn? So they might be doing okay now, um, but you know if there isn't that sort of um, incentive to want to go and eat out in September and people are still perhaps a bit nervous about going out or watching their wallet you know it could be could really get tough so I think it's um, the restaurant industry the hospitality sector broadly is going to have uh, you know it's going to come out and say yes August might have, it was a lifeline but um, you know we're back to normality here in in september not i say normality i mean like what they've been experiencing perhaps for for most of this year that it's 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 very tough very tough period for them
0: because also you've kind of got a bit of a double whammy haven't you because you've probably got more families going out in august because schools are out for the summer i mean i know technically schools have been out for quite a while now but um more people are kind of staycationing and and going on holidays so you, you probably would have seen a bit of an uptick in restaurants anyway um but with the kids going back to school in September plus the end of this scheme, you wouldn't be surprised to see quite a big drop-off in terms of the number of people going out to eat.
1: Yeah. I mean, just looking at the sort of hospitality sector broadly, it's quite interesting to hear that Gordon Ramsay's business is talking about um, continuing with its expansion plans, rolling out new restaurants. And there's also talk of um, that Hugh Osmond's... Uh, vehicle various eateries is going to float on the uk stock market so so hugh osborne it, it founded punch taverns and he was one of the people who helped bring pete's express to the market so i you know that they're, they're, if they're looking to raise some money to expand their estate you know it's 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 quite interesting there's a real contrarian view uh expanding at a time when the whole sector is very fragile um but also you know osborne's associated this um another vehicle called broadstone so which recently um, filed to, to to list in in America in New York and and raise um, more than two hundred million pounds to to make a big acquisition. What what they're looking at is to buy a promising but struggling UK business. So you know, his his knowledge is definitely in the leisure sector. So I'll I, be quite interesting to see what what he, you know, which business he's got his eye on to try and buy. Um, you know, everyone's sort of worried about it, but you know for some for some businessmen or some investors they're seeing this big opportunity at the weakest point in the sector for a very long time
0: yeah and that i guess that makes smart business sense doesn't it
1: yeah it's high risk but yeah i mean i guess you know if you you go forward a couple of years and people might look back in hindsight and say this is this could have been perfect time to try and do some deals
0: and so talking of doing deals i'm not sure many people at the the start of lockdown and the start of the current pandemic would have Predicted a boom in housing sales and the housing market this summer, but that appears to be what's emerging down from figures that we're seeing, and we've had some new figures out today actually. But um, so what what are they showing?
1: Well, the property website Rightmove says uh, it's seen the highest number of home sales um, agreed. You know, during during this is mid July and early August, so it's highest number during that period since it began tracking the data more than ten years ago. So, um, the average asking prices for August uh, were four point six percent higher than a year ago. Now, you have to think that normally in the summer, uh, there's obviously a, a dip in demand because everyone's on holiday. But actually, you know, to see it see a big jump, and particularly under the, the current circumstances, is, is very interesting. But, it, but it, it in London, there was, um, they did see this fall. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's it's so I don't know. I just think people are much more interested in living outside London now. They're perhaps, um, they've been used to working from home, don't want to commute into the capital if that's where they were working. Um, perhaps they're thinking, you know, you know, if there's the opportunity to work remotely, uh, I'm going to be looking further afield. So I don't know what this means for the London property market, but, um, you know, as a broad view um it's, it is quite surprising to see um you know there's a mini housing boom underway
0: and obviously this is all down to the the stamp duty holiday that was announced as a way to get the housing market moving again so it d- appears to be working um we had the the government basically suspended its house price index during lockdown Um, because they said that there wasn't enough data and it wasn't accurate enough to publish the information, but they've just restarted it. um, And they published figures for April, which show that there was a a price rise over the past year to April. Um, And that's based on deals that completed in April. So obviously anyone that's bought a house knows how long that process can be. So that would have been prices probably agreed before lockdown or kind of right at the start of lockdown. So it's interesting that prices were still rising even in April, where the housing market was essentially pretty much shut down.
1: Yeah, I mean there's some there's some other sort of trends that are emerging that were um, one in eight homes that coming onto the rental market in inner London since May have, have previously been an Airbnb or, or a short let property. So oh, that's um, interesting. Yeah, so there's there's been sort of this this effectively a flood of supply of um longer term let uh property on the market so you've seen rents across greater london have fallen 4.2 percent year on year in july um, in inner london the rents have fallen by 8.4 percent i mean that is absolutely incredible isn't it so
0: um
1: mm. i mean it's it's for you know for, interesting for airbnb so the company is meant to be floating on the u.s stock market very soon and all the, all the reports I've read would suggest it's still going ahead with it, even though uh, it, its business will have clearly been affected by um, sort of restrictions on travelling this year. But I guess you know, investors will take a much longer term view. Uh, about what's going on. So.
0: so obviously Airbnb will be listing in the US and you talked earlier about um, US markets continuing to rally. So um, how are fund managers kind of feeling about that at the moment? Are they are they enthusiastic about US market or are they getting a little bit wary?
1: So the Bank of America publishes a survey of amongst fund managers once a month. And it's really interesting to get sort of insight into how these big asset managers are thinking And its latest survey says that it's the most bullish fund manager survey they've had since February this year. Um, Now, what's quite interesting is that the the cash levels are down quite a bit. So if you think that um, these investors were holding quite a lot of cash to take advantage of opportunities um, early this year, now to, to have a much lower cash position would shows that you know that they're they're happy to invest in the markets they think that um clearly there's perhaps the risk of another market correction is obviously low otherwise they wouldn't be in you know having you know, being so fully invested um but actually you know that they're sort of saying that they think that there's plenty of reasons to be um you know enthusiastic they think that, that you know companies are going to grow profits um that we could potentially see a covid 19 vaccine announcement early q1 2021 um, and and interestingly they're still quite supportive of being in the tech sector despite despite that being sort of quite a crowded place for people um, you obviously think that that that, that sort of trend has still got some way to go but actually it, during august there there was a sort of a sort of early signs of a rotation um to sort of more more sort of value places like europe and, and emerging market stocks but um i think that it's exposure to those areas is still in relative terms still very low so it's it's you know tech and gold um still Standing out as places that people want to put their money
0: and these surveys are quite handy for individual investors in terms of um looking at what the professionals are doing on average and and looking at their views it can be quite helpful feeding into your own portfolio decisions can
1: it yeah, absolutely I mean and uh, yeah. This Bank of America stuff is is widely reported on, so you should be able to find out um, the details of it. And um, I, I really like the idea of you you're taking the market pulse once a month, um, and it's a bit like the the PMI data that we get with the purchasing managers indices. So um, that that's when you know those announcements can really move markets as well. In that situation, you have um, people making decisions about what they're going to be buying. You now, clearly, they'll have an, a view about where where the you know, relevant economies will be and, and how their companies are feeling. So, when you're seeing strong PMI numbers, it, sort of, it is a signal that there's um, lots of people being bullish about the world, and therefore that sort of has a knock-on effect of being bullish about um, investing as well. So, so here the latest um, Bank of America Fund Manager Survey is, you know, it, it is bullish, but you know the, the bank is saying it's it's far from being. Dangerously bullish, so um, perhaps it, it sort of is indicating we're not seeing um, the top of the market as it, as we speak at the moment. So, so, just before we finish up, so Laura, I want to just ask you about credit card figures. I know this is a new data out. So, so given this rise in unemployment, so are we actually seeing sort of a big uptick in credit card usage, and should we be worried if that's happening?
0: So actually what we're seeing is the opposite of that, so we're seeing fewer people spending less on credit cards and actually lots of people um, using some of this time to pay off some of their credit card debt. So we've talked before about how lots of people have been able to save money during lockdown just because they've been going out less or going on holiday less and haven't seen their incomes impacted by the crisis. so those individuals are actually able to repay um, some of their credit card debt, which is a, a theme we've seen for the past couple of months, and that continued in May, um, based on the latest figures from UK finance. Um, so then coupled with that, spending fell uh, by almost half in May compared to the the same month a year earlier. So what we're seeing is people living a bit more within their means, paying off a bit of their debt. Um, The figures obviously hide quite a big divide in society. Some people will be relying on their credit cards more. Um, People that have lost their jobs, um, a bit like we talked about earlier, or have taken a hit to income. um, Some of those people will be relying more on debt. So what we're looking at here is kind of the average rather than the case for everyone in the UK. But generally the trend is people saving more, people paying off their debt, um, which is a good thing to have on average because... We um, talked last week about the fact that the UK is now officially in recession and that um, we're going to have some pretty rocky economic times ahead. So any saving that you can do now, um, either saving into a cash account or paying off some of that expensive debt, which quite a lot of credit card debt will be. um, Any saving you can do now will really help you if there are kind of difficult economic times coming ahead and that personally affects you. So thanks a lot for listening this week. Remember, you can listen to us on Spotify, the iPhone podcast app or Podbean and just search for Money & Market. And do tell your friends and family about the podcast and it's helpful if you can leave a review. So next week is going to be my last podcast for a while before I take some time off. So please don't miss it. See you next time. Bye. Before you go, please remember this podcast is for educational purposes and the views expressed don't necessarily reflect those of AJ Bell or Shares Magazine.